Oh, hello there. Welcome to Poet Waffle episode nine, where me, Daniel Cockrell, invites a poet round my house for a chat. And during that chat, we explore the visceral space between fact and fiction, which I believe is more of a feeling where poets use their emotions to navigate the world and hopefully reveal certain truths that are neglected by those other fields. And it gives me great pleasure to invite into my shed is a poet, spoken word artist, activist, maybe. Maybe. Revolutionary. (laughs) uh, Johnny Fluffy Punk, a.k.a. John Seagrave. Hi, Dan. Um, Very happy to be here in your uh, warm, because it's gone very sunny sunny outside, a warm art cave. Which is all this can be described as. It's definitely an art cave. Beautiful. Yeah, very happy. The map of the solar system. I've tried to... Up there as well. That's, uh, that's from my new book uh, that's coming out in September. Really? Uh, which was um, um, funded by the Arts Council England, which is very happy about. So it's more pain doing the application it, yes. than it is receiving the money. Don't I know about it, Dan? Don't uh, I know about it? But I've it. tried to keep the the, ca- the my shed a secret from the outside world because I've, I haven't posted anything on Facebook or Twitter to say I have this because I didn't want hate mail right. coming from... Nothing to do with planning permission or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> Just hate mail from other poets who have not got that coveted Virginia Woolf room of their own. Who's, still, who's still working around the kitchen table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I apologise. Well, I, I choose personally to see it as a uh, as a as um, an incentive, as a, as a, as a draw-off. I mean, I'm in the process of building up to building one myself mm. at the end of the garden. Um, in order to, well, I don't know, facilitate, stroke, save both career, in inverted commas, <laughs> and relationship. Uh, by moving myself and my artistic temperament to a separate dwelling at the end of the garden has been mutually agreed as being the way I, forward. That was the same, that was the So we moved into this house four years ago, and that was one of the compromises that we both made more compromise on, on Gina's part because she said, look, you have to get rid of some of your books and some of your stuff. And I was like, well, I don't think I can do that. And I persuaded her that if I had a shed at the end of the garden, I'd, I'd be out of the way and all my stuff would be out of the way. And it's true, everything I own is in the shed. I don't have anything in the house. Right, so. yeah, you've got absolutely everything. <laughs> everything. Well, this is exactly what I'm doing, and I'm in the process of designing it at the moment. I've only got the smallest space it can occupy. I used to be a carpenter for years, oh, so wow. I will be building it. Amazing. Um, but it's got to... It's got to incorporate everything artistic, but also all the tools. I've never sold the tools of my trade, right? Because we're always waiting for that impending apocalypse when you know the yeah, bomb yeah. drops on the Arts Council, and uh, we're having to return to uh, 
uh, putting up shelves for people in order to feed the family. Yeah, yeah. So I've got to have my tools and I've got to have a workshop in there. Not going to be too bad a workshop. I'm not going to make loads of dust, but I yeah. want to be able to... Because what I love doing as well, when I... Um, as a performer, especially when I'm doing shows, longer shows, is I like loads of handmade... I like making stuff. Yeah, yeah. I've always held this kind of thing in my head of being like that old grizzled handyman on the end of the pier. Where, yeah, yeah. You know, knocking up things in his shed, kind yeah. of sort of Wallace and Gromit of, <laughs> of poetry, really. And and I, I love that image. And... and it's one of those things that keeps you going through life is that, you know, especially as I'm getting older is feeling that, oh, I can now comfortably slip into this role. We're in my mind's eye where month, once I may have seen myself, you know, erroneously played by Keanu Reeves yeah. or something. Now yeah, I yeah, see yeah. myself being played by Bernard Cribbins <laughs> on that children's scene on the telly where he's the lighthouse keeper and fisherman. <laughs> And that's what I've, at the end of the garden, so I've, I've got to incorporate somewhere I can have all the tools and build all my own props. Yeah. Uh, plus my bicycle. Right. Plus my, um, uh, all this, all this stuff, like yeah, all yeah. the books, yeah. all the books, the writing table, the Wi-Fi, um, and, and also a bed. So yes. there is a necessity well, for a I bed. Mean, I mean, next door have a very similar shed to this and they have a bed in it. For yeah. guests. Yeah, well, this is it, because we need somewhere for guests know? as well. And I also yeah. need somewhere for when I'm, you know, it's banned. It's all, yeah, banned basically, banned. <laughs> basically banned, which is generally if I'm writing a show or something like that and I become, you know, impossible. To yeah, yeah. I'm impossible to yeah, live with. I can but be impossible. I'm preoccupied. And that's really difficult when, you're pre when you've got kids. And you'll know this. Yeah. When you've got young kids... I mean, you hate it in yourself, yeah. but you're preoccupied and you've got this little child whose who's childhood is unfolding <laughs> and passing in front of you and they're going, Daddy, look at my drawing. Daddy, look at this. Daddy, look, I've built this out of Lego. Look, I created the universe from yeah. little plastic bricks. And it's like, it's like bugger off. <laughs> I'm stuck on this metaphor. <laughs> And it's and awful, I, yeah. and you I, hate yourself for yeah. it. I just want to take my shame away to the end of the garden yeah. no, and, you, and that, deal with it. That and, is a lot. Yeah, come and play football with me. It's like, no. Yeah, yeah, um, no, I, no. I've got question two of this Arts Council fund yeah. Uh, yeah. to do, and I have no idea how to go about it. No, 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 it's so, horrible. How, we, how are you going to engage with your audience, yeah. says the form, and you can't even engage <laughs> with your own child? <laughs> with your own six-year-old. I know. Yeah. This is it's bloody, it's bloody appalling. <laughs> It is appalling, and I, I loathe the world that we live in, where we are not, it's not like, you know, back yeah. in the 1980s, people like us could have just phoned up Ken Livingstone and <laughs> given the money, and now... How, we, how are you going to engage with your audience, uh, yeah. says the uh, man who lives in his shed in isolation. I know, this is it, this is it, but hopefully if I can, if I can contain it, as you have contained it here... Your existence, your life yeah. is contained now in this shed, so you can go into that house and be Dan the human being, Dan the dad. I think it's a Dan it's, the husband. Dan it has the... helped me massively to yeah. have this space, uh, just for my own well being, really. That I, I know, even at late at night, I can come here, listen to music, and just get my thoughts in order. Yeah. It's, uh, it's yeah. great. But you, having listened to all that, you've got a plan B, you know, you are a carpenter. And by trade, and I have no yeah, but skills. Yeah. I have no transferable skills whatsoever. I can't. I tr I tried to get a job in a pub, and they were like, no, too, too ugly, and too, too ugly, old. too ugly, and too old. <laughs> this is it. Yeah, even the beard doesn't get you that these days, do you? Not when your beard's got grey in it, Dan. 
Mm. Um, well, this is the thing. I, I am really aware quite frequently of how, um, you know, it seems almost uniquely placed within the performance poetry spoken word world um, of actually having some kind of practical skills to, as you say, fall back on. But it's not as easy as that because, you know, I think actually a lot of a lot of other people are far better placed in the just by being able to operate social media and know yeah, their yeah. way around yeah, yeah. Photoshop, yeah. they can actually get work in arts admin yeah, yeah. Um, and stuff like that, which, I mean, I'm so far away from that world of carpentry. Uh, yeah, because doing anything like that, doing any kind of self-employment, you've got to build up a whole web of people who are going to phone you up and ask you for work. Yeah, and yeah. I've long ago lost that. Yeah, yeah. I used to have it when I lived in Brighton. See, I lived in Brighton and I was a carpenter and a poet, right? And I used to get, I could pick up or choose either. Yeah. And since I left Brighton, I left behind that whole client base, Yeah, yeah. as it were. So, yeah, and I don't want to start it again. And anyway, I'm getting older and my back and my knees can't take it. I know. It's terrible, it's terrible, but I can't take it. If I if I actually go and do a job for somebody, do a carpentry job for somebody, and on about the fourth day, I'll do something like reach for a cup of tea and my back will go. <laughs> and, that, and that's the awful thing. But even, even doing gigging in poetry, and before I would be absolutely happy to spend a night on the floor, on a sofa, yeah. now I'm like, no, I need a proper bed. It's right, like, I, I can't. Oh I God, can't. you're getting all professional. I remember going to some arts, an arts event back in oh, this must be about ten, fifteen years ago now, and seeing uh, John Agard. John Agard. Yeah, John Agard yeah, yeah. making these kind of outrageous yeah, demands I know, I know, yeah. when people said, "What is the minimum of poetry?" And he was making these outrageous demands of of being put in a in a hotel yeah. and I, a proper bed. I don't need a hotel, like but no. I do. I you don't I, want a bed. I just want to. You because I can't bed. go, I can't wake up the next morning and feel that I've been hit by rocks. Yeah, and, uh, no, I and... know what you mean. Um, and actually, when I've come to think about it, it's been a long time since I have had to doss on a sofa yeah. or a floor. Yeah. Although I haven't formally uh, made it clear that I'm not prepared to do that anymore. <laughs> it's not that I'm not prepared to do it, it's just for, like, oh, I, to even get up off the floor, I'd be like, oh, <laughs> like, I don't want to make those noises in front of strangers. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the pain, the pain noises of the, the, I mean, there's something that, I mean, I, I still, I still, you know, am ridiculously swayed by the romantic side yeah. of being an artist and a poet. And, and I know that it's really unfashionable these days and everybody's making all these demands of, um, you know, that you've got to be paid this much, you've got to be like that. Yeah. And I I still fall. I still fall. I still, yeah, I still yeah. you know, that people go, oh, come and do this for, for bugger all. And it'll be, oh, it's a place I've not been before and it's people I haven't met. You know what? It's not far away. I'll do that. Yeah. And then I, then I, then my partner finds out and I get in trouble. <laughs> but that's a, that is an old school thought. That is how we grew up doing it. Yeah. Because there wasn't any money. We yeah. were like, oh, let's go there. Let's yeah. try this stuff out and let's try and make a little difference somewhere. Yeah. Now that's all gone. But you, the, the younger generation, they don't get drunk on stage, for example. Where was, I was no, always... No, that was de rigueur. I was, it, it was almost like, well, you're not getting paid much, but here's a load of beer for the night. And we'd have a... It was almost like a really good time. You'd meet new people. You'd try your best to read the poems without slurring. And 
you know, when I saw Adrian Mitchell for the first time, he had a, bo- a whole bottle of wine he drunk on stage. And uh, it's just like, well, it wasn't out of place. And it was amazing. And now, if you was to do that, people were like, God, that's not very professional. We're paying them £200. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I see a, yeah. No, I it's see a lot on both sides. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there is this whole sort of, I mean, there's a whole change in the way that life is now. And this is one of the things you really notice as somebody, as somebody who was like teenager, in the 80s right? yeah, yeah so i was a teenager all my it was all in the 80s and everything was so different yeah you know it was we were living in squats you were hitchhiking everywhere yeah. you were blagging this bunking that yeah doing all of this stuff of, and and the same token a lot of the art scene was running on those lines as well everybody yeah, yeah. was on the dole and that wasn't a stigma yeah yeah and it wasn't like if you end up on the dole now as people do it is a nightmare it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. You're, you you're harassed. Yeah. Yeah. You can't survive. You're you're harassed from pillar to post. You know you're sanctioned. You know that whole you know Daniel Blake thing. Yeah. Whereas back then it was what you did. Yeah, yeah. I to didn't know yeah. anybody that wasn't when I you know squatting in London in the 1980s. Everybody was on the dole, politically active and doing art yeah yeah you know and that was a beautiful thing that's how everybody lived so by that same token a lot of the gigs you didn't get paid for but it would be in some vegan collective cafe (laughs) where they'd feed you loads and you'd get put up in the squat and it and it was just that that's the culture that i came out of and to an extent that's still where my head and heart are at, yeah, yeah. even though the world has changed. But it's still where my head and but heart the, are the at. the art that happens now is inside the bigger establishments. The yeah. the Roundhouse or the South Bank or I'm talking London-centric yeah, things yeah, here. Yeah. I don't, I'm don't. i not as aware outside. It might be different outside of yeah. London. But definitely in London, the big, you know, banks of the gun, what we do, takes place in Soho Theatre. Yes. Whereas... All before that, we were upstairs in gr- in grotty pubs. Yeah, and I and think I think there has been because that whole dull culture has disappeared. Yeah, there has become people have been forced to professionalise their yeah, art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas you could be like an artistic bum for yeah, yeah. a better word. I mean, the same way that I think still happens to an extent in places like Berlin and Amsterdam, yeah, yeah. where there's still a great big, huge social, not necessarily squatting movement, but these licensed, licensed, incredibly cheap artist spaces yeah. where people people can live on next to nothing yeah. um, without getting hassled and are able to have that freedom to grow as artists, yeah. which I think is a, yeah. you know, and that was a beautiful thing. That was a beautiful thing, and you used to get a lot more diversity. I was just going to say that the variety, even ten years ago, is gone now because young artists are forced into a way of doing something. So there'll be these brilliant workshops. Not denying that they're fantastic, but if you don't fit that, let's say spoken word or what ideal of what it is, you know, doing a one-person show, maybe you just do something else it's written on the page and it's slightly left field you probably can't survive in that circle no, no. and there, and there isn't any of the platforms to do it but in in 10 years ago <laughs> even on the banks of the gun stage you could turn up and do something that was I'm, i've probably mentioned it on poet waffle before where you could come along 
and you know you could be naked cutting a cucumber yeah, for yeah, example yeah, yeah, and that yeah. and it and it's it's all okay yeah. those and probably Ber- as you're saying berlin's probably still got yeah. that and it was still it was like cuz you know i came sort of out of the festival alternative cabaret scene yeah. and you had and so that world of stand up comedy was full of these mad variety acts yeah exactly yeah, but yeah. a guy who used to his act consisted of you know with a lot of pomposity and a lot of you know keep quiet audience, I need concentration to achieve suction, would pick up a washing up bowl with his stomach. Yes, exactly. And that was his act, <laughs> that whole kind of Malcolm Hardy. Malcolm, I, well, I've, I've, of... I've got his book on my shelf there. there. Is it? Uh, From Eddie Mercury stole my birthday. No, I, Fre- I stole, I Freddie, stole Freddie Mercury's birthday, birthday cake. Yeah. cake. And he talks about uh, people telling jokes underwater, like yeah. a big tank yeah. of water. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and then, all that and kind of thing. That, that would be truly beautiful and amazing to yeah. see. Whereas you... you I don't you go out and No, because it's not it's not people couldn't market. You know, the stand up comedy scene has become blokes with their shirts untucked, yeah. looking like they've stepped out of weather spoons doing stand up in yeah. a really But there's definitely a, a place for it. I mean, there is definitely a place. A place. For it. And and I think it would be yeah. I think you could sell three hundred tickets. Well to... exactly because it's just, but I think what's gotta be is that the the, the, com- the comedians, the poets, the, the performers. For a start, you've got to be exposed to that stuff yeah, to yeah. even have the idea half the time. Because where do you, you know, find the people? Because where do you get the inspiration to go? Yeah. God, I want to do mad shit. I saw well. uh, I saw a, a rock band at the Hackney Empire, maybe it was, and a burlesque dancer came on and laid an egg in in a <laughs> nest and and the and the and the guy on the guitar was in a pig mask and the and she's laying the egg and it was just i just thought that is just fantastic i'd love and but one you have to know those people to put on a yeah. night like that i need you know where do you yeah. find the person who picks up the washing up bowl with yeah their, exactly with, you know, exactly and you had these torso. really really extreme ones you had ian i remember this guy ian hinchcliffe this kind of extreme performance artist that was half <laughs> in the comedy world. but i remember like, 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 like one thing legendary one where he ended up right he was balanced on a coffee table like a coffee table which he'd cut one of the legs off, so it's really wobbly, right? It's really wobbly coffee table, and he's bollock, bollock naked, right? And he posed himself, so the broken, sawn-off chair leg, he put right next to his anus, right? And this jagged, broken chair leg next to his anus, and he broke a pint glass, right? Oh, God, yeah. and, and put that beneath his testicles. And then he's balancing this, this thing, and if it falls either way, he's either going to get a splintered chair leg up his ass. Right, <laughs> all these bollocks are going to fall onto this jagged, broken pint glass, and frankly, you don't see stuff like that in the spoken word scene these no. days. No, I mean we <laughs> we, we had Chris Lynham a lot. Well, now there, he's uh, a guy from that. So I, I, yeah. I once again, I, we're on episode nine of Poet Waffle now, and I, I'm forgetting what anecdotes I've probably told, but he's famous for uh, taking all his clothes off and sticking a, a, a firework up his. Backside and eyes. lighting it on stage, and he'd always, uh, he'd always come in and say, "Okay, what size firework do you want?" And he, he'd, he'd look around, he'd look around, and he's a professional. And he'd check, he'd check the fire extinguishers, and he would say, "Okay, in this space, I can go slightly bigger. So for an extra fifty pounds, do you want the bigger firework?" And we'd always go, "Yes, yes, Chris. yes, yes, Chris." And I don't know do if he was having this on or not. Okay, do you want fifty pounds? And we'd always pay that. Um, but he told me a story about how uh, he is, and if I've told this before on Poet Waffle, I, I apologise, where he he's, he had a um, newly born baby or six-month-old baby and um, his wife 
would sit in the crowd and he'd steal the baby off someone and he'd throw the baby across 10 feet or 20 feet across the audience and then his wife would catch it in the audience. And he, at the end of his story, he was like, well, maybe a bit extreme. You know, I don't, I don't <laughs> do that anymore. But like, I mean, you could never get away with no, it No, you couldn't get away with that. Yeah, his sort of thing used to be de rigueur. I mean, look, Joseph Grimaldi, the great pantomime clown, I mean, he started on stage at the age of two, uh, two years old. Like doing this this stuff, and he famously had sort of I think back trouble all of his life because at the age of, if if he wasn't doing his act yeah. good enough, then old man Grimaldi, his father, who was also like legendary legendary pantomime performer of that day, would just boot him up the arse <laughs> into the crowd, right? And that's like a, 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 a toddler, your own toddler, because yeah. that would bring in the money. That yeah, was kind yeah, of yeah, the yeah. money shot. Yeah. If it was fading any other ways. Kick your two-year-old yeah. up the arse and punt him into the crowd. I mean, and we're bang, not started, but where we, yeah. where the show kind of, you know, became a little bit, you know, an underground hit was at the Roebuck Pub in uh, London Bridge in yeah. Borough, um, and of course Charlie Chaplin used to perform up there, and yeah. I'm sure that's why Bang became okay because I'm sure his spirit the was ghost in there. Of Chaplin him is... saying, "Look, guys, just keep going." No, I know no one's coming at the moment, but they will come. It, they will know. come. Build it, and, and they will come. Yeah, Dan. you know, build and, that uh, show and, they, and did. they did. They did, and they did. They do, and they still. We, you know, we, yeah. they do. I, and that, that was the beautiful thing about Bang is because it has, or certainly had, then even more because of the the sweatier, you know, and the yeah, and the poor people would come in. The poor, yeah. yeah this cheaper. is the thing. Is it? Is it, is it, it was. It, it had that air of being. That kind of old school variety kind of thing, yes, uh, yeah. which you know, because the night I run in Stroud, where I now live, I run a night called Mr. Fluffy Punk's Penny Gaff. Yeah, and the Penny Gaffs were back in the days of the Victorian Music Hall. The Music Hall was actually for the genteel middle classes. Yeah, for the for the rabble, for the rough house, the Penny Gaffs, which was where they basically took over an empty shop. Yeah, and the guy who ran the Penny Gaff would take over an empty shop, and people would be charged a penny to come in, and you'd have all kinds of yeah, just like uh, low rent variety, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, that yeah. was the the, the best drunk, the, the best drunken, yeah, 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 the yeah. drunken gin-addled yeah, yeah. woman that would be singing at the top of her voice and getting coins thrown at her. The the, the bizarre juggling at you know, just all of this stuff would would be there, and that would be it. Would be the concept of the penny gaff, um, and that's what I love. You know, I, yeah, I yeah. love that kind yeah. of thing, and I, I so much of me is still tied up in that kind of era certainly that you know that alternative cabaret kind of thing i mean i've even got you know got one of those unfastable thing i've got stage name haven't i johnny fluffy punk right which personally i would get rid of yeah Uh, i've outgrown it but you can't can't because i've not achieved the level of fame that i could get rid of that and for the the minor microscopic low rent celebrity status that i have carry me on to feed my children i think it'd just right? be a massive mistake as well because you, no. you'll grow back into it well i think when you're 80 you'll be like oh, i'm so glad become, i hung on to that it uh, is is that sort of thing i mean reckless eric who's a uh an old punk musician who yeah. i who i love his stuff he's a guy he's a guy who's just completely stuck to his guns home records everything organizes his own tours and just you know, is a that kind of inspirational figure to me. But he's had the same. He tried to do stuff under his real name of Eric Golden. Right. Nobody bought it because nobody knows who he was. Yeah, yeah. But Reckless Eric, people, oh, remember Whole Wide World from back in 77. And they'll, they'll go with that. So he's had to stick with Reckless Eric. Yeah. Um, whereas my name, I mean, my name was given me by Tony Allen. 
the godfather right. of alternative comedy, yeah. who I used to do. He used to run... I mean, he is like the archetype of this kind of, you know... Well, he invented... Him and Alexi Sales started Alternative Cabaret <laughs> yeah, yeah. back in 1979 in the Elgin in uh, Labrook Grove. And they so they, they were the forerunners of all that kind of stuff. And, and I've basically been in some little cabaret band actually and I can't even remember the name but it was something something and the fluffy punks we had this girl singer and it was just this piss around musical comedy kind of thing but I when email came about I handled the bookings and yeah. so I just put down Johnny fluffy punk yeah yeah and Tony Allen spotted that yeah as my email address and goes you want to use that that is you yeah yeah that is you that kind of got that punky edge but there's this Soft and fluffy, old gentle kind of thing. So, yeah. I'm going to use that. And so, he'd put that on posters because we used to run the thing called the Performance Club in uh, in West London. And he started putting me on the posters as Johnny Fluff. He goes, Try it. If you don't like it, you go, Try it. And so, I tried it. And then he's, then he gets, you get reviews. And then it's under yeah. that. And then it's there. It's there forever. And then it's stuck. And then you're there with it. It's like a tattoo. You're there with it. It's, it's like know, a tattoo. Yeah. And you've just got to live with it. Deal with it now. See, everything. prior to that, no one had ever called me Johnny. Oh, really? It was always what? John or right. Jonathan to right. my mother when yeah, I was yeah. hadn't you know tied in my bedroom, and Johnny was just a st- and it, it's so good. Then it? it's just become now I've just become Johnny. Johnny. Johnny's got an edge yeah. to it as well, hasn't it? But it's my just, family you know, still look as sky. Not my immediate family, but when I go to weddings or something, my aunties are there. I go, Johnny. Since when have you been Johnny? <laughs> but yeah, that just happens. Well, I'm gonna. We we've been going well over two thirds of the right. of the podcast, so. Um, it is time for the big question. So the big question is where um, I ask a poet uh, something like, um, you know, is, your, is it important that your work is considered art or um, are you... Um, you know, are you... I, I, I have no idea. I'll, go, I'll come back to that. But your big question is... Um, what can you get for free? What can you get for free? Right. Is there anything this day that you can get for free? I don't know in this, well, in this day, but I, most of my life I have spent getting things for free. Oh, really? And that is okay. how I have survived, is getting things for free. Um, housing, I used to, used to squat places, always said that, I used to squat yeah. places to get housing. Whenever I used to go to a different town, I would stay for free in an empty railway carriage, Dan, because wow. I got a hold of an old carriage key that unlocks... British Rail railway carriages and I got that <laughs> by taking apart the toilet door in an old railway carriage and the handle that comes out handily functions as a carriage key so whenever I was in a strange town or anything like that I could go down to the railway sidings not the station because they don't really park stuff they go down to the sidings and break into a railway carriage and have a comfortable night in a compartment for free that is amazing leave in the morning before they turn up that was one thing I got for was free was you never anxious doing that no no, well, I was a fanatical railway enthusiast right, as a yeah, child, yeah, which yeah. is how I learnt these things. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I, I used to manage to generally have a comfortable night. And on the few occasions you would be caught, they just turf you out. Yeah, so Because yeah. they that. thought you were the, a man of the street. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. a general... Well, they, they just, you just say, I'm a train spotter. And then they just go, <laughs> all right, get out. Get out. And that was that. Right, I, I would... Um, yeah, so you could, you could travel around for free as well. On the trains, used to travel round on the ah, trains. Now the one, so you lived in Brighton, I did as well. There used to be yeah. the fast train that went from Brighton to Victoria, and yeah. it was made up of one front carriage and then three behind. Yeah. And the 
the inspector would used to have been on the front. It, it'd be on the front one, and then when you got to East Croydon, I think it was, you could nip off and go to the front you one. You go to the front yeah. one, and he goes in the other one. And he must have known, because there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was a ra- loads of people running to the front and jumping yeah. on. So you used to do uh, all that sort, yeah. that sort of before stuff. Before the electronic barriers, I know, it? before yeah. the electronic barriers, yeah. before yeah. stuff before stuff like that, you could get... Um, I got a, an electric guitar for free by uh, stealing loads of money from the cafe that I worked at in uh, Covent Garden. A bit like the Who. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just shoving money down my underpants, right? Shove money down my underpants. I was on the takeaway counter upstairs. Shove money down my underpants. Five pound notes. Every five pound no, note went down no my pants because there was no stock check. No, because it was owned by a corporation. Okay. Down, owned by a corporation. So that money and then went and paid for this guitar, four hundred and fifty pounds in used crumpled fibres. <laughs> No questions asked. Fantastic. Not even the obvious question, like, why does all this money smell of somebody's genitals? <laughs> and Didn't no CCTV to catch No CCTV yeah. or yeah. anything like yeah. that. Um, uh, what else could I get for free? I could get uh, uh, motorway services food <laughs> by lowering my standards and not worrying about sitting down at people's places where they'd abandoned no. this very okay. overpriced That's food and then just enough. eating it. Yeah, very good. If you ha- can take... You know, and as a performer who has died on stage many times, if you can take that people looking at you with disdain and disgrace, then you can get eat very well in motorway services for free because they take ages before. They but you have to get there though. You got to get there. But this was hitchhiking down. Okay. Hitchhiking around, which is what I used to do. She used to travel for free. Yeah. Travel for free, eat for free. Go and do a gig in a place. When you, go, when you yeah. hitchhiked, was there any occasion you thought, I'm feel a bit nervous here, or was it all always okay? Um, I never. Oh, I have one coming down from Leeds where I got picked up by a bloke, jumped into his car. I should have known because it was yeah. a ridiculous place to hitch from, but I'd been yeah. dropped there. A ridiculous place on a slipway on an urban elevated motorway yeah. in Leeds. Got picked up by a guy, slammed the brakes on. I climbed in, get out with a rattle of tins of empty beer cans around his yeah. feet. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I start. And I sort of sit there and he goes like that. And he had a stuffed parrot on the dashboard. And he turns to me and he goes, talk to the parrot. And he goes, what? He goes, talk to the parrot. And I had to talk to this parrot, this stuffed parrot on the dashboard. He didn't talk to her. I had to talk to this, just keep up a monologue to a stuffed parrot on the dashboard. And while I was doing that, this man was purring. Oh, right? no. But if I stopped talking to the stuffed parrot... Then he got angry and agitated. And how long did you have and to do And he was already driving a hundred uh, mile an hour. Oh, no. uh, all the way to Nottingham. From where? Leeds. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was not a I mean, good I only feeling. had a short journey <laughs> coming from Devil's Dyke back into Brighton Town. What, once. a bad one? Yeah, bad one. Same sort of thing. With, but I was with uh, my mate Paddy Considine, so we went oh, right, to Brighton right, right, together. Right, right. And we we jumped the in. The Paddy Considine? Yeah, so we jumped a in. a name drop there. I know, yeah. yeah. We jumped yep. in this car. And the two blokes in it were off their faces, let's say. And we were driving very, very fast down one-way streets the wrong way. Uh, and we were both waiting to get out. And they were like, no, don't worry, we'll, we'll take you this way. And like, every, every time we stopped at a traffic light, we was like, we'll just jump out here, guys. And then they'd shoot off again. Oh, and we shit. couldn't get out. We I were know, very, 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 very scared. But, but it yeah. adds a certain spice that you don't get when you pay... <laughs> A fortune to travel on. So even though it's free, even though it's free, there are consequences and prices. It does have. It does have. Yeah, it does have its thing. But yeah, so it was a whole existence really, uh, eked out on the cheap. (laughs) (laughs) Eked out on the cheap. But you had adventures. You had adventures. Yeah, and obviously we're speaking from a position of white male privilege. Yeah, yeah. And uh, if you were a uh, 
you know, a woman hitching or even, I mean, because I'd be picked up by enough bloody racists yeah. where you get the yeah, all yeah. crap when you get in, that if you were somebody else, you yeah. might have a damn hard time of it. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, that's what's got me to here. To here, now. in my shed. and In your shed, now. And if before we finish, because we've, we've done our... We've done, done our, our stint. We've, we've done, done our stint. This is we've told our life story. Uh, anything we should know about? Where can we find you? Um, gigs or things that you like to do? Yeah, website. Yeah, you can find me gigs yeah. <laughs> <laughs> out there in Radio Land. Yeah, no website www.johnnyfluffypunk.co.uk. Yeah. Um, when's I, your when's your gigs uh, that happen locally to you? When do you run them? Oh, they're they're uh, irregular, 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 yeah. but they're always great. Yes. they are always great. They have a lovely lovely vibe to them. So they're, they're irregular. I do the penny gaffs, and I also do a thing called the Sunday Salon, yeah. where I encourage the audience to listen a bit more than yeah. they might do while drunk on a Saturday <laughs> night. Yes, um, and yeah, uh, I do that, and I go all over the place doing. Geeks doing stuff. Thanks so doing much, uh, Johnny. Thank you, Dan. Uh, this has been uh, Poet Waffle. Yeah. And um, well, it's also been a rite of passage, I feel. Oh, very yeah, nice. Beautiful. And we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll see you again next time. Thanks very much. Poet Waffle was written and presented by Daniel Cockrell. Original concept by Jack White. Music and audio production by Julian Ward. Artwork by Damien Wayhill. And technical support from Laurie Eaves.